Go Late Selects, brought to you by Sky. Watch new, exclusive, and unmissable content only on Sky. Do you know how heavy the Queen's coffin was? Is that did including? You watch it? I did. Watch yeah, it? it was hard yeah. not to watch it. Um, no, is that including the staff and the orb and the crown? All in. So those eight lads, which we saw numerous times and were like, oh, Jesus, don't drop it, don't drop it. Those eight lads were carrying uh, the coffin with all the bits and bobs and the trimmings and the flag and whatever. Are you going yeah. pounds or stones? Let's go kilos. Oh. Oh, if you want to go pounds or stones, I'll fucking convert it for you. It was nine stone. All in? I don't know. 47.2 stone, uh, which is the equivalent of 300 kilos. So that's why them books were sweating. Is a lead-lined coffin. A lead-lined coffin? Why was it lead-lined? Were they afraid you'd get out? <laughs> Let's do it! And now, welcome to this week's podcast. We're still talking very reverentially. Uh, one is here with one, Simon Delaney, uh, and we, we join forces to bring you some recommendations for the week. This is Goalout Selects, a Goalout production, and it is a Goalout original brought to you by... Sky. I prefer the, the 90s style DJ as opposed to pretending I'm covering Not, a, funeral, yeah. a funeral on BBC. Yeah. So anyway, yes, enough of that. But like, I think it's, it can't go w- w- without acknowledging it was probably the biggest television spectacle we'll ever see in our lifetime. It was just the scale of it, the choreography of it, the, the pomp and ceremony. It was I don't know about the biggest TV spectacle. I heard one commentator. Well, in terms of audience it. numbers. Yeah, but the day before it was on, someone said it's going to be the greatest thing we've ever witnessed in our lives. I'm going, hello, moon landings for you day. Really? The greatest thing we've ever witnessed in our lives? God, I wish they interviewed you just for a bit of a bit of balance to it all. A bit of which you cut yourselves on. Listen, here. I watched the whole thing yesterday. It was phenomenal. I thought the military particularly were incredible. The precision, the pomp, yeah. the ceremony was staggering. Those lads who were carrying the coffin, who have only recently just finished their training, they were phenomenal. The precision, it was very emotional. It was moving. I thought. Uh, I thought the music was incredible. I thought the atmosphere, the crowds. Uh, particularly down that long walk up to Windsor Castle, <clears throat> was just incredible. And, uh, and, and well, the, it was the, an incredible TV production, in fairness. Yeah. And the saddest bit, the two corgis and the pony, her, her favourites. No, it was the, the saddest bit. bit. The saddest bit, the bit that got me was the bagpipe at the end when he walked out and the sound just disappeared as the coffin was being lowered. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, bagpipes will uh, will always stir you. Apparently the Queen was woken every morning for the entirety of a reign by a bagpiper outside the window. That's right. That was her alarm He was interviewed yesterday. Did you see that interview with him? No, a, guy, a, guy, a guy who did that job for years, he would stand below her window at Windsor Castle he would, and she would often ask him to play a certain piece of music because she had her favourites. And then part of his duties were, <clears throat> excuse me, he would play the bagpipes he would wave for her to come downstairs. He would to downstairs. He would escort her to the working part of the castle where she'd do her bits and pieces, and then he would uh, escort her back up to her private quarters. Incredible job! And he I said, wonder which one of the iPhone ringtones play on the bagpipes. But you, you know, know what? This is one of the stories that I liked yesterday. That this guy's been interviewed, and he was saying 
you know, they were asking, did you, did you have personal interaction with the Queen? Like, would she, you know, talk to you? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I remember. He said, I was I was missing for a couple of weeks. He said, I had to take leave because my wife was very ill. She'd had an accident. <clears throat> and he said, I came back to work. And the next morning, and she came down and said, oh, so I was saying, everything, is everything okay with your wife? And he said, well, the accident was bad. And, and she has, you know, she suffered a lot of bruising. And the Queen said, hang on there a minute. She came, went back upstairs, came back down with some arnica cream for her bruises. <laughs> I'd say give that to your wife. <laughs> I mean, this is very sweet, um, but yeah, slightly a little bit. Yes, but it's it's been yeah, we've been just it's been a deluge. It's been <clears throat> more incredible the, the the coverage of it. So mm. um, so last night, yeah, I was like, right, enough. It's time to move on. Life moves on. I sat down to watch a couple of episodes of a brand new series that has Ooh. just released on Sky in the last couple of weeks. And it is deadly. A friendly match between Germany and Israel is set to take place 50 years since the Munich massacre. With days to go, security is tight. Our team is positive to get a clear understanding of the threat within the next few hours. All right, it's called Munich Ooh. Games. Okay. And it is a fast-paced, high-stakes, I guess, political thriller it's set in germany uh mainly in munich and it is set in modern day but it's very much connected to the events of the real life events from the munich games back in 1972 oh, wow. so context for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't seen the mo- the spielberg movie munich uh there was a massacre at the olympic games um 50 years ago uh, palestinian gunmen from uh, the black september organization they got into the olympic village in Munich, they took nine members of the Israeli team hostage. Uh, and they killed two of them immediately and then uh, took the others hostage and were demanding the release of several hundred Palestinian prisoners. That then sparked, obviously, uh, a major hijack situation, a fucking global uh, event and a scramble to um, to rescue these Israeli athletes. Unfortunately, if they made they made a pig's ear of it, and it all went to shit. And the uh, the hostages were killed. There was a, a shootout with the gunmen. Some of them were killed. A police officer was killed in the process of it. So it was a very very dark time, and and a very sad event. So fifty years later, in in this television show, Munich Games, in this drama, there is going to be a friendly football match between uh, an Israeli team and a German team. They're going to play the game in uh, in Munich. Uh, as a mark of respect to the victims of the terrorist attack in 1972. And in the lead up to it, obviously, there's heightened tensions. People are worried uh, that there may be uh, similar events because there's, you know, ongoing simmering tensions uh, between the various religions involved. And uh, in the process of that, uh, an Israeli computer uh, CIA-type dude, he works for the Israeli uh, intelligence, he uh, uncovers... uh, information that there may be another terrorist attack due to take place at this particular wow. football match. And that kicks off this kind of race against time to uh, discover if it's true and who's behind it and can they foil it. And he has to work with, uh, I guess, his equivalent or a cop from the from the German special forces. And they don't have the most straightforward of relationships. And there's a lot of, you know, fucking, as you, as you would have seen in Homeland and all these other mm. uh, spy type dramas, and it, not everyone is what they appear to be. And no. people are, you know, bad. And tell, us, and, tell us about the cast, Ado. Anyone in there we'd know? Well, I can give you some names. Uh, the names mightn't roll off the tongue or immediately um, uh, you mightn't picture their faces. But when you see them, you go, I've seen you. I've seen you in stuff before. Um, so two of the lead actors are Yusef Swaid 
and Sebastian Rudolph. There's also a guy called Dov Glickman, who I've definitely seen in a couple of other shows. Yeah. And then there is a lady in it who's playing a senior German cop. And the minute I saw her, I was like, oh my God, I've never, I've never seen you other than uh, Adolf Hitler's wife in Downfall. She played Ava no. Braun in yeah, Downfall. What a movie that was. And I've never seen her in anything since. And Downfall was made a number of years ago, so she's aged since. But I, it's it's bizarre seeing her because this particular actress was so wow, yeah, she was brilliant. weird and creepy and and brilliant as Ava Braun in Downfall, which is uh, which is uh, a remarkable movie. So you've got, um, you've got in a couple of episodes, have you? Yeah. So I, well, there's there's three there for you to watch. Uh, it's from Sky, so you'll get it on now. I've watched two, and I fully intend. Uh, to put some time aside tonight to catch up to watch episode three because by the end of this week, I'm hoping, and I believe episode four will appear on our television screens. It's it's also made... Did you ever watch a show called Fauda? I've heard that's, of it, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really uh, good show. That's an Israeli-made right. um, yeah, yeah. show and, and set in Israel and it's, you know, it's conflict between Israel and Palestine and that's set within the, the, idea, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, Specialist Forces, Mossad, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that is excellent. The writers of this are involved in this so, so they know what they're doing when it, when it comes to uh, political wow. thrillers and spy thrillers and things like that. Yeah, so far, so very good. It's six parts in total so I'm uh, intrigued to see. So a wholehearted uh, recommendation from Dr. Power wholehearted I'll write the prescription for you there go and insert it into your into me telly brain yeah excellent that's a good kick off yeah really enjoyed it really, uh, yeah and really it's one of those shows where I'm like oh come on I need the next episode so uh, because it's streaming weekly you can't binge it just yet so maybe if that's that's how you like to digest these shows hold off a few weeks so you can uh, sh- shovel it all in at once cool um, shall we uh, check in and see if Uncle Brian's alright do you know what? Uh, I've been, he's been on my mind for the past, what, yeah. two weeks well, almost? Vigil, there's been a vigil going in my house. Ah, bless you. Have you been, you've been going, is that what you've been doing every day, d- down the local church? Well, I went over to the, Berlin and laid flowers for him and all, like I was thinking. Of, of course, you've there, been yeah. in Berlin. Um, you're back, obviously. I'm back. Not in the same Ireland. room, but you're back. You're back. I'm back in Ireland, yeah. Berlin yeah. boy returns. Um, how did it go? Went really well, really well. Very nice cast, lovely director. Had a nice couple of days filming, and I am home now. I brought home, uh, I brought bought uh, my eldest son a nice Steiner, a big beer Steiner with Berlin on the front of it. And oh yeah, home. starting him young. <clears throat> I'm well. He's not quaffing beer out of it, but I am. Uh, and you know, it was a very nice, very pleasant couple of days, and I'm a week off now before we dive in again to the world of filmmaking. Marvel. It's a shame the way the, the timing of it all felt felt because it was a week or two later you'd be slap bang in the middle of Oktoberfest and you could be in your Lederhosen with your Stein or yeah. Steins yeah. Uh, really uh, having a good old leathery knees up. Except that's in Munich and I was in Berlin. Well it is in Berlin also the Berlin one is on now. It's I know I'm just trying to be sarky but I, the point is people on the ground were asking about Brian in Berlin so shall we oh, wow. Well ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls and possibly gerbils who listen to this podcast, we are very relieved to inform you that Brian Lloyd has been found Thank safe God. and well and most importantly unharmed since his scathing review mm-hmm. and honest review of Michael Flatley's Blackbird. Wow. Brian, how are you? I'm not bad. How are you? We had a vigil going for you, Brian, because we thought vigil. something nefarious. Might, we thought the head might have got a hold of you. Or... Simon had the rosary beads oh. out. Well, no, you see, this is it. I basically had to go into hiding for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks to avoid a hiding, as it were. 
from good. Michael Flatley. But, but uh, back, yeah, no, I'm here now. I'm here. I'm back. I'm ready. Uh, you know, I have evaded Michael Flatley's assassins <laughs> and uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing grand. Excellent. What have you got of the... Well, yeah, know. how has life been since? Has it all been kind of meaningless and pointless or have you been able to get, uh, you know, pull your boots back on and get back to the cinema and, and move on with your life? Well, this is it. Like, you know, that kind of way, like I, I kind of thought that my my purpose in life had been fulfilled and, you know, I had no other reason to go on. But, you know, I think it's just there are still more terrible films out there that I need to put the boot into. And funnily enough, this week is just one such film you that I have. found one this week that's... Yeah. Uh, Lace up those Predator boots and let's get started. Here we go again. In. Strap in, strap in. This week, Brian went to see... Don't Worry Darling. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if Stop it! No, Jack, it's okay. Oh, right. So that's coming out this weekend, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right, before we dig into this movie, right, can can anyone explain all that horse shite that went on around the film festival? Did he spit in his lap? Okay. What's going on there, Bri? First of all, tell us who the two people I'm talking about. Okay, so there was a video that went around uh, from the Venice Film Festival of Harry Styles, who's in the film, and Chris Pine, who was also in the film. Um, The video showed Harry Styles walking up into a seat and then, according to the internet, spat into Chris Pine's lap, who (laughs) then made a face, sat down next to him as if it was nothing, and then continued on. Now, Now, did he or did he not? He didn't. No, because he dropped his sunglasses and he was looking for his sunglasses and then he went, oh, there they are. And he picked them up and said to himself, well, I'm a fucking idiot. There you go. Now, that's exactly it. But the way that this was pulled apart, gentlemen, it was like the fucking Sapruder film. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like people were going... And was it back into the left? Back into the left and it was like, you know, if you pause it at frame 148, you'll see the little spittle dropping from... Harry Salzman, it was ridiculous. It was and what about the um, ridiculous. What about the grassy knoll that was sitting beside Chris? <laughs> well, like, no, it's funny you say it's that because... Really lazy, Simon. Um, like, the whole thing of it is, is, this is Olivia Wilde's second film. And I have not seen a, a female director flame out other than maybe Elaine May and Ishtar. Wow. Like, that's the kind of... that's. The, the nearest comparison I can give. And if you don't Do you know, mean crash and, Ishtar, you mean crash and burn? Yeah. 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 Basically. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what Ishtar is, look it up. It's a very famous film. Warren Not Beatty? as bad as everyone makes it out to be Warren Beatty. Yeah. And Dustin. What Allen, a pile yeah. of dirt that is. I don't think it's that. It's not that bad. I think, no, I honestly, I went out of sheer idle curiosity. One day I went and watched Ishtar and it's nowhere near as bad as people say it is. It's not great. But, like, the way that people had the knives out for it at the time makes me think that some of this might have been down to a little bit of the old sexism. But whatever, right. anyway. And um, tell us about this movie, because Styles and Chris Pine starred. I feel like I should know Chris Pine, but I don't. What should I know him from? Well, you know him from Star Trek. Um, oh, yeah, he, he was, was Captain in, Kirk. He was Captain Kirk, yeah. He was very he was good, in, actually. Yeah. Very, very good as Captain Kirk. He was fantastic. 
His best film, I think, actually, is uh, Hell or High Water, which is this kind of neo-Western with Ben Foster. Um, It's written by Taylor Sheridan. And Taylor Sheridan, if you don't know, Mm -hmm. he's the guy who's done Yellowstone. He did Sicario. He did Wind River. Um, Yeah, he's known for making kind of Mm neo-Westerns. Yeah, credentials. And and lest we forget, the, the leading lady in this is Florence Pugh. It's Florence Pugh, yeah, and by all accounts, she is the best thing in this film, really. Like, mm. I mean, her performance in this is terrific. It single-handedly lifts this film from absolutely terrible to just plain bad. Oh, wow. um, so what's okay, going on in... Yeah. Big aspect, just before we get to the storyline, because I'm keen to, because I've seen the trailer many, many times. It's been heavily promoted, yeah. and, and I'm none yeah. the fucking wiser. Uh, but uh, the other aspect of this story is Olivia Wilde, who's the director of the, the movie and I think stars in it also, is dating Harry Styles. Yeah, that's another part of this. Mm. And seemingly they met on the set of this film, and that's where their romantic entanglement yeah. began. Um, she was previously married to Jason Sudeikis. There is a whole litany of. Uh, questions and sort of timelines and you know had she split up with Jason Sudeikis by the time she got to Don't Worry Darling did Harry Styles split up their marriage all this kind of jazz I'm not going to go mm. into it because quite honestly it has nothing this is to not do with TMZ it. well no it's not that it's not TMZ but like I mean you know it, 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 and this is this is something I was going to get to was that like I was sitting down to watch this film and I really it was it's the hardest I've had to work in quite some time to actually push everything I know about this film out of my head because, mm. you know, you have to take the film on its on its own merits. You can't take, you know, like something like Titanic, for example. Titanic was famous for having uh, uh, famously bad production, but then it turned out to be Titanic and the film that we all know and love and made silly amounts of money and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. But Don't Worry Darling is that bad that as I was watching it, I was thinking, God, all that, all that, all that drama, all that build up, all that hype, and this is what they're coming back with. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, it was just, it was so disappointing that I couldn't help but think of all the onset drama. Now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can yeah, we extrapolate yeah. like on the drama is better, more interesting than the than the actual than the film? Yeah. Yeah. Can we extrapolate on the central performances, Mister Styles? Okay. He, can we have okay. a couple of plot lines first just because the trailer just looks like they go to some beautiful place and weird shit happens yeah I mean that's basically it I mean this <laughs> film is like yeah I mean it's basically you know it's a Twilight Zone episode it's a Black Mirror episode I mean I came home and I said to my wife I said can you and she was not well she was unwell in bed a little bit sick and I said you know cloudy brain is what I'm trying to get at and I said, guess what the entire plot of this film is, just from what you've seen. And she guessed it right in one go. And she's a smart woman, but like, still like, still and all, caught the entire plot and twist in one. Um, so what's going on here is, is Harry Styles and Florence Pugh are a young married couple in this idyllic town called Victory. They work on, uh, Harry Styles work, works on some secret project that no one really knows what it is, while the women stay at home cook and clean their houses, um, live beautiful, carefree lives. But no one really knows what's actually going on in the town. And Florence Pugh's character witnesses another woman um, essentially try uh, try to end her life in a violent fashion. And then from that, she starts to kind of question her reality and question the nature of her relationship with Harry Styles. Um, 
it is one of those films, I think, that if this was a Black Mirror episode or a Twilight Zone episode, you'd think, oh, yeah, I know that one. You'd remember the plot, you'd remember the twist, and that'd be about the height of it. Um, the fact that this is, you know, a major film, has been spun into a major film and all the rest of it, mm. just kind of speaks to how, I think, kind of like how creatively bereft um, these kind of big films are because it's just recycling something that's been done 20, 30, 40, 50 well, years Brian, ago Brian, and done can, far better. Can, can we dig into that? Because we've spoken about it before on the show. Um, you know, what, what makes a film bad? I mean, is it like from an actor's point of view, it's always about the base material. If the script is yeah. good, you're in. So yeah. let's take this as an example. Is the script, is it badly written? Badly written. Really, yeah, really badly but, written. But then that begs the question then, <clears throat> and I know the process that scripts have to go through in terms of development, mm. pitching, a series of people, not just one, but a series yeah. of people would have signed off on that script and said, yep, it's good to go, lads. Let's throw 50 million quid at it. Mm. I don't understand that. How? I, mean, say, I, mean, I know there's a lot I, of stupid people in my business, but there aren't that many stupid people. No, 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 yeah, yeah. And I, I, I can tell you right now, the reason I would say this got signed off with was because it had enough elements to it to make it worth the punt. The script wasn't one of them. It had Olivia Wilde, who is a really, you know, was, is a very buzzy director. Booksmart was, you know, a huge hit. People really, really liked it, critically acclaimed, all the rest of it. Okay. The next film she makes, people are going to turn out for it. You have Florence Pugh, one of the most in-demand actors working at the moment. Harry Styles. Okay, fine. Originally, it was meant to be Shia LaBeouf, but then it was replaced to Harry Styles. <clears throat> it was like, sure, that's that's money in the bank. Chris Pine, same again. It looks gorgeous. It's set in this kind of idyllic 1950s environment. You know, it looks mm. good. You know what I mean? It looks good. And then you also have, there's an element of mystery to it. There's an element of like, ooh, what's going on here? Is this kind of something along the lines of Jordan Peele's Get Out or Us or, you know, kind of yeah. something a little bit freaky, a little bit mysterious going on? That's enough. I would think, and the way things are at the minute, that's I think that's enough for studio heads to put their money behind it and think that it would work. So um, is it the old cliched lipstick on a pig and the pig is the script? Correct. That's it. The script is fundamentally flawed. I mean, there are so many plot holes in it that you could literally drive an Arctic truck through it. Like, it is just incredible. And not only that as well, but... You know, if you're going to do something as obvious and as well-worn as what Don't Worry Darling essentially is, you need to do it in a smarter way. You can't mm. just repeat what's been done before. You have to bring some new kind of perspective to it. Or at the very least, you have to parody what's come before and kind of highlight the stupidity of it. And a good example of that would be you know, something like Knives Out, for example, or even See How They Run. That's mm. taken murder mystery, not necessarily parroting it, but kind of needling it in such a fashion. Or I'll give you another example, Galaxy Quest, um, <laughs> that comedy with Tim Allen and all the rest of it. It's taking the, the mick out of made. Fantastic. That's it. But it's Great a great movie. But it's parodying, you know, Star Trek and all the rest of it. And it's po po pointing out big giant holes in Star Trek and sci-fi television. 
Um, By the way, on See How They Run, I know you might review it on the show in a couple of weeks, but I haven't heard great reports. I've heard Sir Sharon and saves it. Would that be fair enough? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jesus, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, that's funny you should say that because I'm really surprised how yeah. badly it's be, it's gone down. I loved it. Did you? I loved it. I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was so funny, so smart. Sir Ronan is hilarious in it. She should be doing way more comedies. Yeah. Um, and like, look, I... I freely admit, I do love a good murder mystery. I love Ag- Agatha Christie. I love Poro. I love Columbo. We've talked about how much I love Columbo on the show in the past. So, it, I mean, I would say it wasn't so much right up my alley as it was my entire fucking alley. Mm. But, um, but yeah, but to go back to this, though, like, it's too, it's just too obvious. It's just too um, old hat and done before and done better. That's what kind of makes it a problem. And also as well is, is that you can really tell when they got to the set, at least I thought anyway, you could really tell that everyone kind of realized, okay, this plot is absolutely old hat and the script is not good, but we are going to have to act our arses off to make this work. Mm. And they do. Mm. It's it's just, um, very it's disappointing. Um, I'm not yeah. sure... You know, certainly it doesn't sound like you had great expectations for this, but even they've they've gone below that. And if anyone uh, wants to Google it, uh, the reviews will uh, concur with Brian's review. It is getting absolutely panned. Mm. Yeah. Has Harry Styles got a future in, in acting? I mean, obviously producers will put him in movies because he'll bring, he he'll bring a box office. I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I mean, the other film that he has coming out this year... Um, the what is it called my secret policeman or something like that mm. that's getting pretty bad reviews out of the film festival circuit already i mean i think personally what he's going to do is kind of going to be like a david bowie kind of thing and what i that's mean by the, that is comparison everyone makes yeah. yeah yeah but no but i mean in the sense of like david bowie like i mean what films did he really do like he did the man who fell to earth and he did merry christmas mr lawrence and then he did Labyrinth, and then he did, you know, The Prestige. Like, as in, he'll dip his toe into it every now and then, but it won't be his sole purpose. And I think, oh. you know, I think when he when he turns up, he see, he's not as interesting as David Bowie. He just isn't. And he's not making as bold a choice in his film career as David Bowie did. So right there, the, that's where... That's where I think the comparison ends, you know? Like, the only way I would compare him is that he'll dip his toe in and out of it, but it won't be his real, it won't be his real focus. But he's nowhere near, I mean, like, the thing of it is, is when you're watching Harry Styles, you know you're watching Harry Styles. It's it's so obvious that it's him. And bless him, like, he is trying, he's really, really doing the work, and he's really giving it in his all. But he either needs to go do some acting lessons or he needs to pick roles where he's not the central focus. You know what I mean? Like he needs to kind of be, I don't know, the mate's friend or something like that. Or Yeah, more ensemble. Even like, I know it was probably the debut role, but the the role in Dunkirk where it wasn't all about him. He was one of 10 or 12 actors who were being focused on throughout the movie. Um, Yeah, so primarily, I mean, he's early days in all his career. He matches Bowie in the the fashion stakes. Hmm. Musically, some people, you know, are thinking he may one day get there. Uh, Acting-wise, 
who knows is is there anything anything positive to be said about it it looks good anything yeah, no, else it does. It, it does look good i will say that it looks gorgeous uh-huh. like i mean it's it, the production design beautiful looks really really well done um you know but like it was, it, dead, it has, it was dead from the start like it was they couldn't revive it no yeah, matter how they yeah. acted or how it looked yeah i mean that's kind of yeah that's it if you're focusing in on you know the background details and you're focusing in on I don't know, costume or whatever. You're kind of, no, but no, really, you are losing. Like, I mean, those are all accoutrement, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing, like, when you walk away and you're trying to think of other things that you liked about it, apart from all the big major points, then you're kind of on, you're on a losing streak. It's like, like, it's like coming out of a musical and walking out of the show humming the costumes. Yeah, there you go. I mean, like, you know, like, the other example I would give is like, and the other end of it is, something like LA Confidential, like LA Confidential, you go back and watch that film, like the period details and all the production design is insanely well done, but it's all in the background. You don't notice it. And it just Mm. looks like it should be, it should have always been there. But whereas in this, it's all to the front. It's all right there in front of you. And that's kind of intentional. When you see the film, that's kind of intentional because well, I don't want to give the the, the, the twist yeah. away, but you'll know what it is like. I think okay. it's safe to give the twist away to me and Edo. I'm never going to go and see it. You can text us later on, will you? Yeah, I will, yeah. You'll probably um, guess it, though. This is it. Okay, you'll well, guess it. Well, let's, let's guess. Uh, obviously, well, not obviously, but my guess and my sense from what you said and that what your your beautiful wife said from her sickbed is that Harry Styles clearly is not all he he appears to be in this movie, and perhaps if it's a who done it, who's the bad guy? Was it uh, Mister Chips in the kitchen with the rolling pin? Harry Styles has a lot to answer for his it's character. All a dream. Yeah. Do you want to do it? Actually, here can we do like a spoiler? Will we do like a spoiler alarm? Insert the big. Uh-uh. And then that's your option and your opportunity uh, to pause or stick your head in a bucket of water for Here 10 seconds. Here comes the spoiler Three, to okay, this two, movie. One. Spoiler alert. All right, Bino. Okay. Right. Guess what, guess, what the, guess what the twist is? The twist is that Harry Styles' character... <laughs> I can see you gearing up, Simon. I can feel you gearing up. Harry Styles' character is actually his son. He's playing his son. Having fallen off his skateboard as an eight-year-old and cracked his head on the side of the curb, he wakes up in this alternate universe. Chris Pine lands in a spaceship dressed as Captain Kirk and Olivia... Who's the other actress in the Florence Pew? Yeah. She is actually Harry Styles' father. <laughs> I watched that film. That's that's a much better. That is so much better than the actual twist in this. Well done, Simon. Well done. Uh, did I nail it? Edo, you want to take a guess? Well, I don't think I can compete with Simon's uh, LSD fueled uh, movie interpretation uh, uh, plot of this. So I just think, fueled. Yeah, I think either it's that classic uh, uh, school essay we all wrote and we didn't know how to end it, and then they went, and then I woke up. It may well be something on that lines, but Harry Styles is clearly, for me, uh, at a guess, the bad guy in the film. Correct. That's it. You've, you've actually, you actually got it. You actually got it in one. It's a the dream. The whole twist of it is, is that 
um, Florence Pugh is actually being held against her will by Harry Styles in the real world, and the whole thing is a simulation. No. I just have so little interest in this film because of all the preamble jibber jabber that whatever tiny bit of interest I had has just been staked through the heart in that yep. revelation. That well, you can thank Brian for saving you, you 10 euro and a couple of hours of your life. God, wow. Yeah. So let's Jeez, open Brian, the, That is so yeah. fucking lame. I yeah. know, it's cacking, that's lazy. Yeah. Uh, let's crack open the orbital, the orb of chocolate, and see how many segments Dr. Styles gets. I would give this five. How many were. I'm, I'm 20. I'm, it was 20, yeah. So five out of 20, then, yeah. Wow. So it's always 20. Yeah. Five out of oh, 20. Wow. I'm trying to remember what you gave Blackbird. I actually think if you he didn't give it one, he didn't, he didn't give it any, he gave it nothing. And any. that's how bad it is because he gave Downton Abbey one. However, in saying that, Brian, if you were. Heading to the movies tonight, and the two films were there, starting ten minutes apart. Would you rather go see Blackbird than this shit? Oh, I would. Yeah. Oh no. Like right. this yeah, is the yeah. thing. Like you'd actually have you'd actually have good crack with Blackbird. Do you know what I mean? Like because it's so mm. terrible, you would have some fun with it. Like you could laugh. You'd have it. You 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 would have a fun time laughing at it. Don't worry, darling. Like I mean, it's as you said. Like I mean, it's so fucking lame. The story is so fucking lame. I mean, yeah, it looks nice and everyone's pretty and it's all gorgeous. And, you know, if you're into that whole kind of 50s architecture and music and the clothes and fashion, I know you are, Ado, and you might get something out of it. But, Jesus, it's not enough to, it wouldn't be enough. To, I, I, like, I would, ra- I would sit through Blackbird again faster than I would sit through Don't Worry Darling. Wow. Um, going off on tangent number 63.B for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're coming into that kind of, time of year anything exciting you coming down the tracks that you that you can tell us about that you can't wait to see yeah um there's a film coming up that actually i'm going to be seeing to, today actually in the next uh, hour and a half um it's a new david o russell film called amsterdam and oh now uh, yeah now it's i read the, a review of that only this morning brian oh yeah and they said it was shit really <laughs> Yeah, sorry, brother. Oh, shit. And I'm interviewing Christian Bale tomorrow. Like, fuck, okay. Oh, really? That'll be interesting. That will be interesting. Have you interviewed Christian Bale before? Do you know what he's like as a a human? I don't. I haven't interviewed him before. I was about, I nearly got to interview him once and then it got cancelled. I don't know what to expect because I think he's kind of, he's one of those actors, I think, that his bark is worse than his bite. I think he's kind of mellowed out a whole lot. Like, so... I don't know. I'd be interested to see what he's like. But shit now, I mean, you've kind of... Well, that's just one review. I mean, I'm looking at others here and it says, you know, it says, first reactions to Amsterdam praise a star-studded film with an identity crisis. So they're liking it, but mm, there's a bit mm-hmm. of a... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm... Yeah, I mean, like, I, I liked American Hustle, but I didn't think it was... I didn't think yeah. it was amazing. Do you know what I mean? I think, in fact, I think the last good film that David O. Russell did was, and you're going to laugh at this, I think it was Three Kings. I think he yeah. should have, he should have continued on that kind of action comedy thing. Like I heard Huckabee's like, Jesus, what a piece of yeah. shit. Like, yeah. I mean, look at the mm. cast in this thing. You've got uh, Margot Robbie, Robbie well. yeah. Robert De Niro, yeah. Christian Bale, wow. Rami Malek. I mean, you know, one review here says that it's a, Rich quickly expertly woven thrill rides uh, and all of the cast shine. So maybe I'm talking through me um, Sheriff's badge. 
Sure. Look, we'll 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 come back to this in uh, in a couple of months' time, and I'm sure we can be chatting about them. <clears throat> one other one I would say very very quickly is uh, Smile, which is this freaky looking horror film. Um, oh, no, 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 yeah, no, that no, I am no, just like, no. yeah. It's not based on a dentist, is it? No, it's not. It's about um, it's kind of like. Then you see that film, it follows. No. No, if it's in the horror genre, you can guarantee no. you can I'm myself have watched it. No, no, no. no All right. No. Well, anyways, yeah, this film is this is a film coming out called Smile that uh, I'm very, very interested to see. And I'm like, to be fair, I'm not a horror fan at all, but I, I do appreciate when there's a good original concept in horror because I think you have to work very hard to make something original. And yeah, yeah so. All right. Well, some good stuff coming down the line as. As for this week, don't worry, darling. Don't bother your hole. Thanks, Brian. Hey. <laughs> oh, and hey, Brian, will you tell Christian Bale that I personally thought his role uh, as Dickie Eklund in The Fighter was a masterpiece? I will I will absolutely do that, yeah. I will absolutely that do will, that. That will get the interview about. off. That will get it off on a good on a good footing. Just yeah, a bit of plumas. A bit of plumas. It always helps. Yeah, it always helps. So off he goes into the uh, sunlight. Uncle Brian is safe. I will have to let the people in Berlin know that their thoughts and prayers were answered, and he is safe. And he's still giving out, he's giving out about films, so he's back. Um, I have a little recommendation for you because, as you said, I was away for a week, and when I came back, <clears throat> I love that thing of coming back home and having loads of things recorded. You know the way you series link things, and there's loads of stuff there. Your favorite programs are there. And uh, this is another favourite of mine uh, that I haven't spoken about before, but it's one of those, it's not even a guilty TV pleasure, but it's been on the telly for years and years and years on the Sky platform. It's uh, And I don't have a huge interest in, in the genre, but I love the show. It's called Chasing Classic Cars. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> no, I was thinking of Chasing Park Cars. Uh, no. no. I've never heard it. Is is Jay Leno involved in any way? He does appear in a couple of episodes, even oh, though it's not okay. his show. It's it's been on for well, this latest season, <clears throat> excuse me, is the seventeenth season of this show. Oh and, wow. there's, and there's about twenty odd episodes in each season. And it's 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 unbelievable. It's a time warp. It's so great. You know, to find a car that's been sitting like this for this long and then this this kind of condition, it's unbelievable. 28,000 kilometers. Man, this is what you'd live for, is to find something like this. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable great shape. And it basically focuses around a guy called Wayne Carini, who'd be... I suppose he'd be 60, maybe 61, 62, but he, he is a bit of a car uh, fanatic. He got his love of cars from his father, who had, was a mechanic and had a garage. But this guy has his own garage now called F40. And this, this guy basically spends his life driving around America and looking for what they call barn finds. So he goes into barns and he'll pull out a 1962 Porsche or something and he'll take the, take the cars back to his garage. He will restore them sometimes over the space of five years and then he'll either, uh, he, what he does is he brings them to promenades at various car shows around the country. The biggest one being the most prestigious one being in Pebble Beach in Florida, but he, he goes to car shows all around the country and he, he shows the cars, they, they win awards, and then he he might put them into auction, he'll sell them. And because he's become known as kind of the car guy, like the likes of Jay Leno, 
would approach him about cars. You know, he might say, I'm looking for a Ferrari Testarossa. Do you know anyone who has one? <clears throat> and this guy will know. He'll know somebody who has one that's not restored uh, in the middle of restoration. He'll have one that's ready to go. This guy has a phenomenal knowledge of cars. And like, as I say, I have no interest in cars. Like I, I know how to empty the ashtray and put petrol into a car. And that's where my knowledge of cars comes to an end. I know nothing about them. But what I love about TV like this is, like you don't just learn things about cars, but you learn things about American history and, you know, some of the manufacturers have come and gone. And I, for me, it's television that I just, I can switch on and I'll watch two or three episodes of it. And it doesn't take a lot of concentrating. Do you know what I mean? That kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But it's in its 17th season. There was a rumor <clears throat> a couple of years ago that it had ended. And they weren't going to make any more because, as you can imagine, over the 17 years, he has the same kind of crew of mechanics and all that. And uh, guys who, who work in a body shop and they paint the cars and all this. But there was a, an older kind of mechanic in it, Bob, who must have been 75 views a day. And he had a couple of hair nades and he was a cantankerous old bollocks. And he, he's, he's great in the show because your man would pull up with another fucking heap. <laughs> and the mechanic, it was brilliant. It would always focus on Bob. You know, Carini would pull open the shutter door and Bob would go, what the hell have you brought me now? And he'd open the thing and it might be a feed. He goes, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was one of these, one of these guys who hates doing what he do, does but loves doing it. And, of course, he'd always work on the car and get it going. And, and I loved some personal stories as well. Like he has a daughter, <clears throat> Wayne Carini, who presents the show. He has a daughter who's... Who, uh, He's a Down syndrome child, and, and she's in her twenties or, th- or late twenties now, I think. And he, he adores her, and you know, he he has a, such a huge collection of cars. He was approached once to sell one of his private collection, and he said, "I just can't do it because it's our favorite car." But he said, "I actually sat down and spoke to her, and we took one last journey in the car. We took a ride in the car. And she let me sell it, and it's it's very personal. The show. He's a very likable kind of guy. He's a kind of an average Joe who's kind of done very well for himself. He's built this huge car empire. Now, when I say he has a collection of cars, like some of the cars that he's restored will sell upwards. He sold one. It was one last night. It was a nineteen thirty one Bentley." It was an eight liter car, nineteen thirty one. Looked like something out of something that John Dillinger would drive. You know, Mm. this this thing he restored on behalf of a client, and it was up for auction, and the the estimate was somewhere between one point one and one point six million dollars for a car that's ninety years old. Well, that's exactly, so and like I, I love it. I love the show as well because I sit and watch it with the boys. The boys will float in now and sit in the room. They go, "What's that?" No, no, what's the car show? Yeah, and they'll watch an episode with me, and they learn stuff about America and the geography of America and the history of America. And like even Isaac last mm-hmm. night was watching the show with me, and, and this nineteen thirty one Bentley came on. He said, "Dad, why? Why is it so expensive? Like, why? Why would someone pay one point six million? I said, "Well, listen to what he's, he's telling you about the car, and you'll find out why. It's because there was only a hundred of these." made ever and there was only three of them made with this particular body type and there's only this is the only one that survives it's the only car like it on the planet that's what gives it its rarity and the fact that it's fully restored and the fact that it can go 100 miles an hour still it's huge it, it this is a very special car so isaac was watching as wayne restored it over a couple of years and then brings it to Pebble Beach to this car show. And then as part of the Pebble Beach car show, Bonhams, who are a huge auction house, they have an auction 
on the site over two days and you sit you get to sit there and you watch the auction you know the bidding starts at seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars and up to nine of their eyes eyes are popping out of his head he's going someone's going to pay a million dollars for a car now he said yeah yeah it's brilliant but then he he'll do cars from that range from fifty thousand dollars up to these these unbelievable machines that are 1.6 1.7 million dollars brass cars you ever heard of brass cars no simon I this is all new to me. Cars back in the in the tens, the twenties, the thirties that were made of brass, and it's just it's 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 a real eye opener. But it's very easy television to watch. And what I love about it as well is that there's seventeen seasons, so you can even if you haven't watched it, you can go back start a season, start a season four, just series link a full season, and just dip your toe in it. It's very very watchable. Um, all right, and it's what are you watching it on? It's on Sky. It's on Sky okay. Discovery, uh, and it's all there for you to watch. And they're one-hour episodes, so happy mm. days. So that's chasing vis- classic cars. Visually brilliant and, and delightful. I mean, exactly. Cars, cars <clears throat> of old were, to look at, they were masterpieces. I mean, they were oh a my lot God. of, you know, compared to modern-day cars and technology, they were a heap of shit to drive. So but it's a shame how... We've improved the technology, yeah. but this, we've lost the style and the, the, the art and the design of gorgeous classics. And you're dead classic. right. Even that car last night, that 1931 Bentley, like they're hand-built. Like the chassis was built by one guy, and then the body was hand-built by this artist. Like there's, there's wood, there's leather. It's just staggering. And not to mention the engine. This thing is an 8-litre engine. This is 1931 when the average speed of, of the cars then was 32 miles an hour. This thing could do 100 100 miles an hour. This thing was, this thing changed the game. So if you're a car collector and if you're a Bentley collector, you want that car in your collection. And that's why someone paid $1.5 million for it. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Big bucks, huge market. Isn't it funny as well that the the guy in it is, Wayne, is it Wayne Carini? Wayne Wayne Carini, Carini, yeah. That his, he's got car in his name. I know, that, isn't it bizarre, yeah? Of determinism and whatever and that is. And he's also got car in jobs, Your name. name will influence what your job is. <laughs> and not only has he got car in his name, he's got car in in his name. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Well, look, that sounds like a, a visual treat, a lot That's of fun. Great. and. And you don't have to be a petrol head to enjoy. No, as I say, I haven't got a baldiado, and I don't know what they're talking about, but I love watching them. I love watching. It's like that old other show you talked about the fellas who go uh, the American pickers, where they go around barns. They like one man's trash is another man's treasure. This guy yeah. can look at a car, a wreck of a car, and think, "Yeah, if I put a year into this now, I can flip this for half a million dollars." I love that stuff. I'd love to see you host one of these shows, Simon, because you have such a passion for uh, this kind of thing and for oh, objects and for history and for, <laughs> I was going to say for yeah, rubbish, like, but for, but for trash. Right. That you're right. I, mean, yeah. I remember one so of the early episodes. Now to the, the, the Dublin County Council tip yeah. in uh, over the north. Side, <laughs> so I remember we talking about one of the early, rubber, one of the early episodes of this, that we were talking about the repair shop. I love that stuff. Yeah, you know, or someone brings a prized possession of theirs that's worth absolutely fucking nothing to anybody, but it means mm. the world to them. The mother's mother's teddy bear, the father's, you know, whatever game you play. But like, I have my I have my dad's saxophone here, and I'd love to get it restored. I'd love to hang it on the wall with some sheet music behind it. But instead of sitting in a box under a bed, you know what I mean? And I, I think people who I love watching people, and you, I know we've talked about this before. I love watching somebody who's good at what they do, and when you watch a craftsman. Or crafts person make 
bring something back to life. I think that's I, that's just joyful for me. You're 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 you're, you're preserving history. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's incredible to watch. Uh, any any sort of master. At it's work. like my typewriter that I have here that you got me for me present and all. I have it here in my desk beside me. It's beautiful. I love it. So I gave Simon a well. I, along with uh, two of our dear friends, Laura Woods and Anna yeah. Daly, gifted Simon uh, a beautiful uh, typewriter. I was going to say old; they're all old, pretty much, but some older than others. Yours, in fact, if I remember correctly, is from the the mid early nineteen thirties. It's nineteen thirty eight, which was the same year that my mammy was born. There you are now. You was a happy. That was a happy coincidence. And great, it's, year uh, from, great year for my family and typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We are fans of the, the antiquated. That's, <clears> that's exactly. for sure. But All right. That is... <laughs> you beat me to it. You beat me yeah, to I it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so listen, let's recap the records for this week then. You gave us the brilliant Munich Games. Munich Games. Yeah, Munich Games. And, you know, uh, I think if you've not seen the film, a lot of people would have seen the, the Spielberg movie, Eric Banner or Eric Banya, as you like to call him, Daniel Craig. Uh, that's well worth a watch. There's been some other brilliant documentaries about that real life event of the massacre at the Munich Games in 1972. This is a fictionalized series 50 years on. Uh, there may be uh, yet another terrorist attack surrounding uh, a ceremonial match that has been played between an Israeli team and a German team and the, the respective um, police forces from Israel and Germany have to foil it. And already two episodes in, it is tense and complex as fuck. And I love it. Magic beans. Uncle Brian reviewed uh, Don't Worry Darling. And as you said, the review, Don't Bother. It got five segments of chocolate orange, which out of 20. Don't bother your old darling. Is not good. And I gave you the brilliant Chasing Classic Cars uh, hosted by Wayne Creaney, which is on Discovery, which is on the Sky platform. God bless them all. What did you learn this week, Ado? So you've learned nothing this week. Shall I tell you what I learned? Go on then. I learned that you used to have a pet gerbil who's gone missing, but you've now got a lump in your trousers. Bye! (laughs) 